0: Welcome to Spooky South Coast. Look, I know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen, but it does it. Don't look down, but. AM 1420,
1: WBSM presents Spooky. South Coast, with your hosts, Tim Weisberg and Matt Costa.
2: Damn Mercury, retrograde. Causing up all the problems with our electronic equipment. Good evening, welcome to Spooky South Coast, Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin Matt Costa and science advisor Matt Moniz, the three studios, back together again here in the studio during a special primetime edition of the program. For those of you unfamiliar with Spooky South Coast, we air normally at 10 p.m. on Saturday nights, and we talk about the paranormal each and every week, the strange, the unusual, things that you won't hear on the radio the rest of the week. We talk about ghosts, UFOs, uh, mysterious creatures like Bigfoot. Uh, We talk about mysterious creatures like Matt Moniz, who's been elusive for the last few weeks, and we haven't seen him in the studio, and then I wasn't in the studio, and at least Matt's here every time. He's like the constant. Remember that episode of Lost? Which one? Where, where they tell them to find the constant? Yes. Well, during the time... You're, yeah. you're our constant. <laughs> That's your job. The, and, anch- uh, the anchor. The- <laughs> and uh, also, it's uh, he who will save protect us, by the way. Did you yes, watch it? Either? I did watch okay. it. Excellent. Did you look it up? Did you go to Lostpedia? Uh, I did. Excellent. I did. That's the way to do I, it. I had to. All right. We should do a whole show about Lost, but not tonight. Tonight, we're going to talk with Sandman of the Society of the Dead. They're a group of paranormal researchers out of western Pennsylvania, and they're going to talk with us about an upcoming investigation they have coming up next year, next April. So it's uh, it's really, it's still a ways away, but with what they've got planned, I can imagine they need all the time to prepare. They're going to be doing an investigation of the site where the Titanic went down. They're going to go out in a boat and try to capture EVPs and, and see if there's any kind of presence, you know, floating. What's it, two miles down, Moni's? Approximately, you know? yeah. So uh, I, know you, I know you'll I know you volunteer to go down as far deep as you can in those cold Atlantic waters.
1: I have no problem hopping in Alvin and going down. No problem <laughs> we, at all.
2: We should see if we can get Alvin. Uh,
1: I got friends at uh, Woods Hole. I'll, I'll talk to him.
2: It's, it's possible. We could uh, We could find out. We'll get a grant. We'll get a, a, grant, a research grant to go out there and investigate it. But uh, anyway, we'll talk about all that stuff with Sandman in just a few minutes. Uh, for those of you who are home... And near your computer, if you want to jump on Justin TV slash Spooky South Coast, or just go to spookysouthcoast.com and click on the Spooky South Coast TV link, you'll be able to see us live in the studio. You can see me kind of shaking my fist at the computer when it misfired earlier, and I said, "Damn you, Mercury retro Mercury retrograde!" Doctor Terry taught us about that last week. Uh- he told us that Mercury is going retrograde, and that that will cause all kinds of problems with electronic equipment because we did have a whole bunch of problems. With electronic equipment early in the show last week.
1: I say bring Keith and Carl Johnson back into the uh, this studio. Is,
2: this is more. Uh, this is less likely to be demons and more likely to just be gremlins. It's uh, you know, it's more uh, just the technology of the studio is what it is. Gotcha. Basically, we have to come in here and and good thing we have our constant because we have to time travel from the nineteen forties into the two thousands. So it's in gre- about five minutes.
1: So it's about gremlins in here. Yeah. That means we don't leave food in here after midnight not anymore.
2: after midnight no and never ever get them wet so uh what were we talking about oh yeah paranormal yeah. oh yeah <laughs> and uh we will we will join sam in just a few minutes but if you would like to join in the conversation you can call us anytime during the program 508-996-0500 508-291-0500 you can also email us spooky crew at spooky south coast dot com, we can get your questions uh, via email that way. You can also jump into the chat room on Spooky South Coast TV, and you can log in there and then ask your questions that way as well. Matt is monitoring it as we go along, so if any questions pop up there, he'll be sure to ask them. A little bit later on when we're talking to Sandman, we're going to play some EVP, some electronic voice phenomena. For those of you who are unfamiliar with this, it's basically uh, when you go out and do a paranormal investigation, you take a, a digital recording device or, or some sort of tape recorder along with you, and it picks up voices that you can't hear with your own ears, which are supposedly spirits trying to pass on messages. And, and we've we've got quite a few to play. Sick. So, and and I know that you have a very critical ear when it comes to EVPs, Matt Moniz. Yeah, I've I've gotten
1: a few in my day.
2: And I'd like to hear the uh, what the what the listeners out there think. So feel free to call in and comment on them a little bit later on. Now, what else do we need to to plug here? Oh yeah, Twitter, the spooky <laughs> Twitter feed. Uh, every day, there's more and more people signing Where up is. for it. it. It puts the pressure on us to make sure we actually send something out there. Although I think most people that are on Twitter, they have like 500 things that they're following, and they don't really pay attention to everything. But I know that yeah. they're anxiously awaiting their spooky South Coast updates. Have you started your own Twitter yet, Matt? I have not. No? no. You,
3: I downloaded Twitter, Barry. Did you? But I did not uh, sign up.
2: You know. You know yeah. what's funny is like, he had a MySpace for a while and it was in the top friends of spooky and then it disappeared. You know, it, it just seems like he he begrudgingly accepts the fact that there's social <laughs> networking out there. And then after a little while he's like, Yeah, no, forget it.
3: Yeah. They're actually I, finding me. I try to get off the uh the uh boat before it sinks.
2: There you go.
1: Oh
3: wait to... Uh... <laughs> a yeah, segue to, to keep with the uh, theme of the show tonight. Do you have Do you have a Facebook? Um, I don't have a Facebook. Oh,
2: okay, because we we keep getting all kinds of requests on on the Facebook, and folks, I apologize if I don't accept them quickly, but I have no idea how to use Facebook. Well, yeah. But I'm working on it.
3: We have a paranormal one too. What's that? That paranormal social network.
2: Oh yeah, I don't know uh, anything about this. This is this is your area. What was that one? I'm not a very social person. Hmm.
3: Can't remember the name of it. Anyway, (laughs) look
2: up Paranormal Social Networking, and I'm sure we're there. All right, well, we have a lot of breaks to take in this first hour, so why don't we take the first of them? When we come back on the other side, we will connect with Sandman of Society of the Dead, and I think he's going to have another one of his investigators with him as well. We'll talk to them about their plans coming up to investigate the ghosts of the Titanic. And Hey, what do you think? You know, maybe you think that it's a grave and it shouldn't be disrupted. Maybe you think we shouldn't be out there trampling in graveyards and trying to catch the voices of spirits on our tape recorders. Give us a call 508 996 0500, 508 291 0500, and we will be right back with more here on Spooky South Coast.
1: Turn on all your lights, lock the doors, and pull down the shades. Spooky South Coast is back.
2: Welcome back to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin Matt Costa and science advisor Matt Moniz, pointing for the benefit of the studio cam uh we are going to be doing some investigating coming up that's what we're talking about during the commercial break some upcoming stuff that we're going to be working on including one that's going to be open to the public and uh, we'll have more details for that really soon Uh, but before i forget i do want to let everybody know that august 28th at the brockton rocks stadium campanella stadium in brockton uh the bay state paranormal center and the brockton rocks are going to be putting together a paranormal night that'll be august 28th there's going to be a a psychic baseball giveaway, which I'm guessing is they're just going to come out there and throw nothing. Yeah. But there's going to be a psychic baseball giveaway. There's going to be uh, mediums there. There's going to be tables set up. There's going to be all kinds of stuff going on. Spooky South Coast will be there. And uh, it's it's going to be a great time. I believe it's a Friday night, August 28th, Paranormal Night. So mark that on your calendars now. If you'd like to get tickets, you can go to BrocktonRocks.com. And you can also uh, you know take the whole family because... Campanelli Stadium is a great facility, and I can just imagine they're going to really do it up. They have a lot of fun promotions. I believe one of their co-owners and their director of fun, as I believe is his official title, is Bill Murray. So maybe, maybe, maybe. Ghostbusters video game coming out. Maybe who knows? I'm not. I'm not saying he's going to be there. I'm just saying, yeah, maybe we can make something happen. All right. Well, let's go to the phone lines. And we will talk to our guest, Sandman of the Society of the Dead, and he's got uh, Dave, Megan, and Kenny, also from Society of the Dead, hanging out with him there as well. Good evening. Welcome to Spooky South Coast. Are
0: you there, guys? Hello. Hi. Oh, we can barely hear you.
2: <laughs> okay, well, we'll try to talk a little bit louder. Okay, thank you. We have, uh, we have uh, Mercury, Mercury Retrograde, as Dr. Turi told us last week on the show, so that's causing some technical difficulties. So, s- tell us about Society of the Dead, uh, how you got started.
0: Uh, well, we started uh, back in April of uh, 2002. And we'd, uh, I'd been a fan of uh, listening to various uh, paranormal shows and so on and so forth. And uh, At the time, I had a job uh, that involved many hours of sitting, so of course, you know, I took in a lot of AM radio, and uh, we'd heard a show about how to record EVPs. So, uh, we decided to get some friends together one night and go out to a local paranormal hotspot. We uh, ran the recorders, and uh, well, the rest, as they say, is uh, history. It, uh, we uh, got a first EVP that night, and we've been hooked ever since.
2: And and Society of the Dead, now, DEAD is an acronym. Tell everybody what it stands for.
0: Yes, DEAD stands for Direct Evidence After Death.
2: And so far, it seems like you've been able to, to capture some of that. I'm sorry? It seems like you've been able to capture some of that.
0: Yes, we've uh, been able to record 42 EVPs in seven years.
2: And, you know, I like that number, and Matt Moniz, you can probably uh, speak to this as well, but I like the fact that you're not coming out here and saying, you know, I recorded 42 EVPs at the investigation I did last night.
0: No, and you know what? Uh, yeah, it's taken us seven years to accumulate that many EVPs, and I've talked to other paranormal researchers, and I, I spoke with this one gentleman that told me he had recorded 800 in a single night. And you know what? You've got to have a little tighter protocol than that.
2: Well, I can tell you uh, we work with one gentleman who recorded uh, over 40 in one night at one location where we worked with him, and but he he gave us 40 quality 40, yeah yeah. <laughs> but I mean that's just his his that's technique and what he visual.
0: Well,
2: I'll, what I'll do is I'll actually I'll I'll hook you up with him uh, over the internet so you can you can talk to him and find out some of his techniques because oh absolutely he's always I've willing always to, share. to
0: uh, talk to other investigators and whatnot because only through uh uh communication through the various teams can we uh, hope to further this science.
2: And, and you know, I think now as, as we're getting, and we've talked about it here on the show before, but as the economy is getting worse and people have less money to go out and basically, you know, spend money on what's a hobby for everybody, uh, you know, and they're not going to have the money to get all this equipment and all this latest stuff that's out there and, and to get out to these investigations. So working together allows us to pool our resources together, whereas before it was, no, that's my thermal cam. You can't use it.
0: Exactly. Very well put. Yeah, we uh, we definitely we share a lot of equipment and we share a lot of the uh, burden for the expense.
2: What's What's the paranormal community like out in your neck of the woods?
0: We, uh, you know, we um, there's not a lot of competition in this area. We've run into a couple other teams, but they've dispersed. Uh, Society of the Dead. We've been going strong here in southwestern Pennsylvania for seven years now, and uh, I'm not really too sure of any other teams that uh, may be operating in the area uh there's there's a lot of uh like personal interest a lot of individuals will have uh, interest in what we do but uh other teams uh there's not anything really locally except for us
2: and and now that you have uh kind of been able to establish yourself in that area i mean how frequently do you say would you say that you get calls uh from from cases to go and investigate
0: oh we uh we get a we get quite a few calls. As a matter of fact, last night we uh, received a request to go out to Nemecolin Castle in Brownsville, Pennsylvania, which is a paranormal hotspot here in the area, and uh, we're looking forward to checking that out.
2: Now, uh, the other people that are with you, uh, Dave and Megan and Kenny, were they all there from the beginning?
0: Yeah, they've all been with me since day one. Um, and uh, without uh, without my faithful friends, uh, there would be no Society of the Dead.
2: And and each one of you, how did you get involved uh, in the paranormal?
0: Dave? I've always had an interest in the paranormal, and uh, as Matthew said, he had heard it and told me about it, and I kind of, you know, kind of skeptical at first, and so, you know, went out with him, and we saw that it worked, and then that basically, you know, put me where I am and secured my position here.
2: And then, Kenny, how about you?
0: Oh, it's just something I've always been interested in. Um, Just, Kenny's, uh, Kenny, Kenny's been uh, invaluable over the years. Um, you know, a lot of times, that I, you know, I'll, I'll get hung up on a research point or something, and, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll think it from every angle, and then I'll be like, you know what, i call Kenny up, and, you know, Kenny's got the analytical mind in the team, and, uh, and you know, he's the go-to man. He pulls it together.
2: Uh, Megan, what would you say is the group dynamic? I mean, how... how
0: you... Well, I've had a few of my own personal experiences whenever I was younger, but um, actually, how we met Matthew, um, he... You know, hung out at uh, uh, Eaton Park, and uh, my husband Kenny you just spoke with. He was a security guard out there, and we all just sort of got together, and you know,
2: it was um, one of those yeah. things you kind of like just clicked right from the beginning, or did yeah. you, or did yeah. it kind of have to grow as a group?
0: Um, I think that like our friendship grew as well as like uh, like you know, our knowledge with the paranormal and and what we did. Like,
2: we also became pretty good friends at the same time, so. I mean, there's, there's, and Sam, man, you've, you've seen it in these other groups you were talking about. There's so many of these groups that start up and, you know, they'll get together and then they'll realize after they've already, you know, tried to start a group and tried to actually go on investigations that I don't really get along with these people.
0: You know, I can't tell you how true that is. And it's that's a factor that we deal with on a very regular basis. Uh, a lot of people join a paranormal research group because it's a clique, you know. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, they bring all the drama with them. And uh, on several occasions, it's, it's nearly torn this group apart. But, you know, our, our strong bonds of friendship, and you know, we hold it together. It's, you know, it's the science that's important, and we continue to strive for that. And we remember that, you know, we get a, a disruptive member, it's a bump in the road, and we move on.
2: Now I like groups too. With so many groups popping up, and and what I like call you know the MySpace paranormal groups, and and just all these. Every time you turn on the computer, there's somebody else that's friend requesting you, or or you know emailing you saying, "Hey, we're a group." You know, and with all these groups popping up, it's good when a, a an organization can think outside the box and and go beyond the average. You know, let's go to this place, this place, and this place. It's important, of course, to for everybody to document their own experience at these places. But yourself, you guys are putting together something that I haven't heard any other paranormal group do. And, and you know, here we are talking about it's still a year away, but you're actually going to be going out to the site where the Titanic went down.
0: Very true. We've, um, you know, as a group, we always strive for that which has not been done. And uh, we were um, we were out one night. We were having coffee, discussing angles and so on and so forth. And uh, I looked up my, from my coffee, and I'm like, you know what, guys? Let's go to Titanic. No paranormal research group has ever went to the point where the Titanic sank. And wherever there's a great tragedy, there will be a psychic compression echoes, if you were. Mm-hmm. And uh, we know that there will be EVPs to be had out there. And, uh, I mean, think about what happened out there. You know, if there are any residual uh, imprints out there, you know, the world needs to hear them, you know. And uh, we're going to do our best uh, to let them hear them.
2: And have you already chartered a boat? Have you already made those kind of plans? In- in knowing- we are
0: going over vessel selection right now. Uh, we haven't confirmed a vessel yet, but we're trying to get something that can travel in excess of 18 knots. Uh, most of the uh, most of my group, they're going to, have to take their vacation time uh, to do this tour. Mm-hmm. And as you know, the uh, the Titanic, uh, she's uh, 450 miles out into the North Atlantic Ocean. That's going to take some quite some time to get to. So um, we originally were going to uh, leave from New York City because that would have been the final destination of the Titanic. And then we were going to come back to Halifax, Nova Scotia, where, of course, I'm sure you're aware, 121 Titanic victims are laid to rest there. Mm-hmm. But if we leave from Nova Scotia and return to Nova Scotia. Uh, well, Nova Scotia is about, I'm not exactly sure how many miles, it's a couple hundred miles closer to the wreck site, and that'll cut down our transit time out to the wreck site.
2: And when you're out there, I mean, is it going to be multiple days, or are you going to try and do it just all in one night?
0: Uh, we're going to spend 16 hours on site. Okay. Uh, we're going to be recording nearly the entire time. We're also going to be filming a documentary while we're out there entitled, entitled Titanic. You know their history, now hear their voices. And, um... Uh, At the end of the session, we're also going to place 1,533 white roses into the water to commemorate uh, each victim.
2: Excellent. And that is the most important part is, you know, remembering that it is, you know, even though you're a couple miles up, it is a grave site and it is, you know, where bodies are are laid to rest.
0: Yes, Uh, exactly. And, uh, you know, a lot of people have expressed concern and so on. You know, they're like, well, you know, that's that's a sacred site. and uh, of course, you know we won't be diving on the wreck. I mean, we don't have 1.5 million dollars for a dive. <laughs> uh, but no, we uh, we intend to show the utmost respect while we're there. And uh, well, it's it's all a matter of respect. You know, it, whether whether we're out over the Titanic or we're in a local cemetery, you know, it doesn't matter. Respect is paramount. Respect comes before the science. You have to show respect. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I mean, they may be spirits, but they're people too, and we uh, we have to treat them with the respect they deserve.
2: Now, and you're just going to be basically recording uh, from from topside, you know, from the surface? Or do you have plans of trying to use something submersible, like what they might use to record whale songs?
0: Yes, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. We are experimenting with a new technique in paranormal research. We are going to try to record the first underwater EVP, where we're going to be using submersible mics. Now, of course, we can't lower the mic clear down to the wreck because the pressure of 3,000 pounds per square inch at that depth would crush a microphone. Mm-hmm. But we will be uh, lowering submersible mics in the hopes of getting an underwater EVP. We don't know how successful we'll be at that, but we are going to try our best.
2: Well, science advisor Matt Moniz, I mean, it certainly sounds like they've taken everything into account. It's not, it's not just a matter of, hey, let's go out on a boat and, and hang over where the Titanic
0: is. No, exactly. I mean, we're there with a very distinct purpose. And uh, Titanic's always been very close to my heart, and we want to uh, we, we, we want to see if we can further this, you know, add something to the Titanic chapter for future generations to look back on.
2: And so, uh, Matt, you know, you have been diving yourself for a long time. Uh, I'm talking uh, specifically to our our science advisor, Matt Moniz, uh, Sandman, is a a longtime diver, and and I know that he's gone to some UFO sites and other places and, and actually gone diving. You must have some questions in terms of the actual you know mechanics of what they're doing
1: well if they're using a uh, are you using a standard hydrophone to lower into the water
0: We are still having our tech guy work this out. this is uh beyond my expertise as far as underwater recording goes and uh we are hoping to uh um gain some more insight into this We are also uh if any of your listeners have any information on side scan sonar imaging uh we'd like some <laughs> guidance in that area as well.
1: Uh, I might be able to help you with that uh, off the radio, and uh, I'll, I'll forward be you. Helpful, sir. I will forward you some information on people I know that would uh, help you.
0: Thank you, sir. Not yes, a problem. A vessel even as deep as the Titanic, a side, side scan sonar image can take a, uh, a photograph of the vessel that comes out as clear as, as a black and white photograph.
1: Depending upon the system, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's very true.
2: It's amazing the connections this guy has. I mean, they just say Matt Moniz, can you help them out? Oh yeah, I know somebody that can do it.
1: Well, I've been working in the science field twenty years, and you know, I've learned to adapt other people's professions to things I want to do. So you you make connections. That's what it's all about.
2: Now, is is there any concern uh, when you're out there uh, in terms of you know just overall safety of yourselves? I mean, obviously, you know, you're not off the coast of Africa. We have to worry about you know Somalian pirates. But it, just in turn, I mean, it's it's kind of a risky venture to, to go out there into the middle of the ocean like that. And, you know, what, what kind of safeguards are you taking in that regard?
0: Well, we had originally wanted to place uh, um, 20 of our people into two small launches and go out over the uh, uh, the site, just like the, uh, the survivors would have been in the lifeboats. Mm-hmm. But uh, as I'm sure you're well aware, the North Atlantic in April is not a very friendly place. So unfortunately, we've had to scrap that idea um, as far as uh, safeguards go. I'm going to make sure that all my people are wearing uh, life preservers and so on and so forth and we're going to take extra care with the equipment as it were because uh, the, the environment's not going to be too conducive to electronic equipment as I'm sure you're aware and uh, the colder temperatures, the battery life's going to be uh, somewhat limited but uh, these are just bumps in the roads we're bumps in the road we're hoping to overcome a lot of this.
1: Can I make one other recommendation please do Get a marine biologist on board to listen to your uh, underwater recording so they can rule out um, biologic life.
0: That would be most helpful because, you know, we uh, we don't claim to be experts. Right. You know, we, uh, uh, we'll take any help that someone can uh, can offer us. Uh, the first step to wisdom is saying, I don't know. Right.
1: You might be able to also find, if you got somebody that worked on a submarine in the Navy and stuff like that, that worked on their sonar, th- right. those people are very adept at being able to separate biologic from mechanical and human-generated uh, sounds.
0: We are going to have an individual, I don't think he wants me to release his name yet, but uh, we are going to have a professional wreck diver go with us, who's been down to many famous shipwrecks. Uh, he's never been down to the Titanic, though, but he's been down to many others, and we're hoping he can guide us extensively in that area. Okay.
2: Well, I'm, I'm going to ask you the question, and you don't have to answer it if you don't want to, uh, but... When all is said and done, how much is this venture going to cost Society of the Dead?
0: We're figuring $32,000. Wow.
2: And you're funding that. Hopefully uh, you're accepting donations if people want to send you a check.
0: Donations we are accepting. Uh, primarily the way we're trying to raise most of our funds is we offer supporting memberships of Society of the Dead where individuals that want to become attached to our group uh, can join us to a supporting membership, and uh, the dues for that are 750 per month.
2: And, and you also have uh, – You also have a a newsletter that you put out as well, right?
0: Yes. The Paranormal Night Flight, which I would like to add, uh, now has uh, worldwide circulation. Although our numbers are not as high as we'd like them to be, but it is circulated uh, into Asia and Europe and even India.
2: And they can get, if they go to your MySpace account, they can get the address to sign up for that there?
0: Absolutely, yes.
2: And that's uh, myspace.com slash cannonball underscore Kelly, K-E-L-L-Y.
0: K-E-L-L-E-Y, yes, sir.
2: I'm sorry, yep, K-E-L-L-E-Y. And uh, do you want to give out your email as well?
0: Uh, yeah, my email is sandman, S-A-N-D-M-A-N, underscore, the, T-H-E, underscore ghost, G-H-O-S-T, underscore hunter, H-U-N-T-E-R, at yahoo.com. All
2: right, and if people want to get a hold of you, and, and then you can set up however they want to make a donation. And I think you're going to find, maybe you'll get some people that call up and or, or will email you and say, hey, you know, I think it actually is important what you're doing because a lot of these spirits don't have any closure.
0: No, no, they don't have closure. That's that's very true, and you know, think about all the tragedies that occurred out there on that water, and and so so many, um, uh, so many of the victims that you're right do not have closure. I mean, maybe in some small way we can offer them some 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 form of closure.
2: All right. Well, why don't we take a break? When we come back on the other side, we'll play some of the EVPs that uh, Society of the Dead have garnered in the last seven years, and we'll play them for you. We'll tell you what they say, and we'll we'll get what everybody here thinks. And if you want to call in and share as well, 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500. Email us, Crew at spookysouthcoast.com and Justin.TV slash spooky South Coast there's a live chat going on there as well. Stay tuned we'll be right back with more talking about the ghosts of the Titanic with Society of the Dead here on Spooky South Coast.
1: Turn on all your lights, lock the doors, and pull down the shades. Spooky South Coast is back. Break me eye oh. from phantasm.
2: That's why it's good to watch spooky TV, <laughs> because you get to see things like me flipping myself in the eye with I'll, the headphones.
3: I like the replay on that too. Yeah. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs>
2: We are getting some lag there. Welcome back to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin, Matt Costa, science advisor, Matt Moniz. And we are talking with Sandman and the gang from Society of the Dead. And now, Sandman, I was poking around on your MySpace and taking a look at some of the photos that you have up there, and I saw pictures of your family. Yes, sir. And guessing by the names of your children, I have to ask you, what do you think of the new Star Trek movie?
0: Oh, uh, you know what? I am so glad you asked me that. <laughs> uh, I, was, uh, I, was, I was at it the opening night. Uh, I'd like to um, throw in that I have never missed a Trek film at the theater, ever, starting in 1979. Uh, I'm a diehard Trek fan, obviously, uh, from my you, know, you can tell by my children, James T. and Scotty. Uh, I loved it. I thought it was great. A lot of people are uh, complaining about it. Uh, I was talking to this one individual. He's like, bring Shatner back. I'm like, you know what? He's in his 80s. He's given us most of his life. It's time to pass the torch.
2: Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen the film yet, but I've talked to some people that have. And they've all said that it definitely holds true to Star Trek while taking it, you know, away from the idea of it being a bunch of old guys.
0: Yeah, very true.
2: And, and as much as we all love it, we have to admit, you know, you only want to see them go on for so long. Sooner or later, everybody retires.
0: Very true. It's time to pass the torch. And I think uh, I think Chris, P- Chris Pine and the new actors, I think, uh, I think they're going to make us proud.
2: So we have uh, some of your EVPs here that we'd like to play, and and these are ones that you've gathered uh, over the years. Now, just to reiterate, you said you you have 42, what you would say, are quality EVPs over seven years' worth of investigation.
0: That's true. We have 42 EVPs, some of which are garden variety, but some of which are very, very high quality.
2: Okay. Well, why don't we play the first one here? And uh, I have the list that you sent me via email, and uh, I don't know if we're going to play them in that order, Matt. Is that how you you're going to run them? Uh,
0: however you'd like to play them, my friend.
2: All right, Matt Costa, fire off the first one. I probably be gone. All right. What? What? Now, what would we hear there,
0: Sam? Uh, I, I couldn't hear anything on this end.
2: Okay. Uh, well, it's it's the one called "I'd Probably Be Gone."
0: Yes, yes, that's a fascinating EVP. It's the uh, first one that we had ever recorded. Uh, That one was recorded in April 2002. Uh, We'd set up at a local paranormal hotspot, and uh, we were just getting ready to shut down the equipment. And uh, I had said to any spirits that may be around, we've enjoyed the time we've spent here, and we hope that you'll like to speak with us in the future. And then on the tape, not 20 seconds later, was a female voice saying, I'd probably be gone. And it should also be noted uh, that there was no uh, females there that night.
2: Matt, can you play that one again for us? Very, very clear on that, I'd say. All right, and and moving on uh, to number two, Matt. If I'm going too fast for you, Matt Costa, just let me know. Okay. All right, here comes number two. What? One more time, Matt. And now that is the one entitled "Hello, Keith Sandman."
0: That is a um, that's a disturbing EVP. Um, there is a, um, uh, a certain stone within the same cemetery, a uh, woman that died, supposedly died a very tragic death. And Keith was holding onto her stone, and he was trying to make some kind of connection with her. And uh, that's what I recorded. Now, a lot of people hear different things when they hear that. I hear, hello, Keith. Some people hear something else. But the one thing you have to admit, that voice is not something that a human vocal cord could produce.
2: Well, one more time, Matt, if we can. <laughs> It it definitely does have that eerie eerie sound to it. Very true. Kind of sends shivers on your spine. All right, uh, number three, Mac also. One one more time. And that is uh, you told me.
0: Um, that's a uh, there's a very long story that goes along with that EVP. <laughs> um, we uh, had been at a um, another um, uh, paranormal hotspot here in the area. And uh, I recorded that EVP 1.75 seconds after I hit the record button, which shows incredible intelligence on the part of the spirit. He recognized the function of the equipment, and he was waiting for me to press record. He, I mean, he, he knew how to make an EVP, and he knew how to get his message across.
2: So you told me, Matt, one more time, if we can? And it seems to have a very forceful uh, attitude behind what it's saying, too.
0: And I believe what he was referring to, is uh, when I enter a cemetery or uh, an area of uh, paranormal activity, I like to announce, I say, these instruments with which we yield allow for brief periods of communication between your world and ours. And uh, what's interesting is we had been at that same cemetery the night before. So, I mean, uh, he recognized us. He uh, he recognized what the equipment done, and, and he was waiting. I think it's fascinating.
2: All right, and we'll move on to number four, Matt Costa.
0: Josh, there. <laughs> it's all the that matters.
2: Yeah, that's right. <clears throat> I hate hay. Wow. That uh, that definitely comes through at the end there. One more time, Matt, up again.
0: Josh Luzer. <clears throat> it's all the that matters. Yeah, that's right. <clears throat> I
2: hate hay. Right, and we're hearing I hate hay.
0: <laughs> All right, that's uh, that's a uh, very interesting one. Uh, I can, I can uh, probably say the location for that. I don't think the owners would mind. Uh, that's that's a, uh, a spot here in southwestern Pennsylvania called Allen's Farm, and uh, it's, it's listed on a lot of registers as being one of the most haunted places here in Pennsylvania. And uh, uh, we were training a new team member that night, and uh, he didn't know how to really present questions to the spirits. And I said, you know what, don't worry about it. Say anything you wish, you know, and uh, they'll either answer you or they won't. So he said, uh, "Well, here in this barn and all this hay, does it bother you as a spirit?" And I'm thinking, "Wow, okay, that's that was out there." <laughs> but uh, uh, lo and behold, uh, I was reviewing the audio that night, and clear as a bell, I hate hay. Uh, the family had lived on that particular farm for six or seven generations. That was probably uh, uh, that was probably. Uh, a family member that had worked his entire life on that, and that was uh, that was his feelings. He probably tossed one too many bales of hay. <laughs> I was
2: going to say he probably had spent enough time baling hay. He didn't want to be trapped around it in the afterlife. Exactly. All right, Matt. I want to play number five for us? Is it one of the That's not true. I know. This seems
0: like forever. Take yeah.
2: Hmm. One more time, if we can.
0: That's
2: not true. I know. This seems just like take take throw. Throw. Yeah. Got a, got a little laugh there at the end.
0: Um, you know what? I love that EVP. Um, uh, Dave and uh, former team member were uh, uh, we were in the same barn actually, same, same night actually. And uh, you ever heard the old term? How a watch pot never boils. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what they were discussing. And uh, albeit that's a very dated expression, but I guess somebody found it very, very amusing. The laugh at the end is the EVP,
2: and and it was it sounded almost like mechanical, almost like it was kind of using you know the mechanics of the device to get the sound across.
0: Well, very true. Plus, that it should be noted that that particular EVP, I believe, that was uh, recorded with a digital recorder, and uh, you will get that effect from digital recorder.
2: All right. Well, I mean, when you go out and you capture these EVPs, and and like you said, you know, it's, you know, 42 in seven years is, is uh, obviously, you know, you're being very critical of what you're hearing. Uh, how much do you throw out and say, you know what, I can't really verify the situation of this. Uh, I'm not sure if this is somebody speaking by accident, or do you safeguard that, you know, with multiple recorders or with video in addition to audio?
0: If you would take uh, 100% of what we believe to be EVPs, we throw out 80%. Of them.
2: That's uh, that's quite a bit to to be tossing by the wayside.
0: Well, society's a dead. We have a saying here: when in doubt, throw it out.
2: And that that's what works. Now, do you um, do you think that there's a lot of people that are out there now? And I don't want you to bash any particular individuals or groups, but do you think people are kind of jumping on this EVP phenomena and they're they're kind of taking just anything and saying, okay, here I have an EVP.
0: You know, that's uh, that's a lot of the reason, and I try to maintain very close communications with other teams because many teams do have loose control guidelines. Now, I'm not trying to place this up on a pedestal. You know, we're learning just like all the rest. You know, we're in, we're in unknown waters, as it were. Um, but, uh, you know, a lot of people do need to, uh, you know, uh, be a little more critical of their material. But, uh, you know, it's a learning process for all of us. Uh, I would like to cite one example, though. Uh, I was speaking with this individual who was uh, at a... Um, a nationally known location, and um, he sent me a photograph. He said, uh, "Look, look at all the orbs in this photograph." I took this of the building during a rainstorm with a bright flash, and I'm like, you know, think about that. <laughs> and uh, you know, it's it's difficult to it's difficult to discuss that with some people because then they come back with, you know, you just had to be there. Well, you know, you just had to be there is not proof for people that demand proof, and that's what we want. We want we want to offer proof. We can't we can't offer. Uh, photographs in a rainstorm with a bright flash.
2: Well, I mean, unfortunately, I think you know, as as great of uh, as great as uh, as convincing as a tool as EVP might be to some people, I think as we're seeing it become more and more prolific uh, with everybody out there running around, and and we can thank the you know the ease of equipment, the, the fact that you can go into Walmart and buy a thirty dollar digital recorder and run out there and, and capture EVP, but as we're seeing it become more and more prolific. I think people are really starting to throw out, you know, the garden variety stuff. They're throwing out, oh, okay, you know, I heard this on this one. Okay, it told me to get out, told me to get out. And I think it really has to be a connection between the spirit and the investigator for people to really listen to it and say, okay, this is quality. To have it be a direct response to a question, to have it be... A statement directly related to what we think the history of the location is,
1: like what they say to you at the Lizzie Borden house. <laughs>
2: uh, that's yeah. It, it's why don't you go f yourself? It's not just for airing <laughs> on the radio, Sandman. But uh, yeah, that's pretty direct when they decide to, uh, you know, drop f bombs on you.
0: We've had that bomb dropped on us uh, a couple times.
2: You know, they, we don't censor. You know, we want them to come through as who they were. You know, we don't want them to uh, to hold back anything.
0: Exactly. Yes.
2: Now, when you're out there and you're gathering these EVPs, do you try to you know, distance yourself, give yourself a day or two before you sit down and listen to them? Do you review in the field? How do you go about sitting down and breaking them down?
0: No, I mandate that my people review their material within three days after it's recorded, preferably that night, but definitely to set in the next day because you lose, you lose track of the little nuances and sounds that may have occurred at the time. If you review your material a week later, well, you know, somebody's stepping on a branch, you might not remember that, and you'll be like, hmm, what was that? No, it has to be reviewed live, still fresh in your mind.
2: Okay, well, we are talking with Sandman of Society of the Dead, and if you have any questions, you can give us a call, 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500. You can also email us, spookycrew at spookysouthcoast.com. And we actually got a question via email from Spooky Fan in Roslindale, and uh, he wanted us to ask you, Sam, if it's true that they used substandard rivets on the Titanic. Uh, he says he had heard that in the rush to get it fixed, they used odd and not up to spec rivets. So is that something you might have heard uh, in your research? Uh,
0: yeah, I would say not only did they use substandard rivets, uh, the Titanic was structurally she was a dis- uh, structurally she was a disaster. Um, had she not struck the iceberg. Uh, she would have sank within her first year on the water. Um,
2: but this was the unsinkable Titanic. That's what we were told.
0: Ah, uh, but not by the not by the White Star Line, no. though. That's, that's that's a common misconception. White Star Line never claimed that the Titanic couldn't sink. Uh, that was a claim made by a lot of of the uh, trade magazines and ah. the ship mag- magazines of the uh, of the day.
2: Well, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, no, it did, and it, it happened on its maiden voyage, and and it's. You know uh, the worst possible circumstances for for that ship and and for that cruise line to have it go down. You know at, at know, its main when the most attention was being paid, when the the most famous people were on board. Uh, I mean, how much was that a disaster for White Star? Did they ever recover from that?
0: Uh, personally, I don't think they ever recovered from that. I mean, uh, I mean, look at it. The tit- the Titanic had ha- had half a billion dollars of assets on board. She had 18 millionaires on board. Uh, no, the Titanic never recovered. I mean, the White Star Line never recovered from this, you know. But the, the Titanic, uh, you know, there was there was an issue with the expansion joints. I'm sure you're aware of this. And the Titanic, she she was she wasn't built properly. Uh, had had she not sunk on her maiden voyage, she would have sank the first time she hit a serious serious storm.
2: And uh, first of all, we want to thank Spooky Fan for hanging in with us. Uh, he he had some problems with the stream and and he's been sticking with us, and hopefully he's enjoying the show. Uh, do you think, though, when you go out there, and, and is it is it going to hit you then how solemn uh, of an event this was, or do you think that you're already going into this just knowing? I mean, are you expecting to be overcome with emotion when you're out there?
0: I expect to become overcome with emotion. I do. At least, you know, I hope so. I hope that we get out there and we can get a sense of what may have occurred there and, you know, all those all, all those poor people in the water. I mean, uh, uh, even after uh, 98 years, there has to be there has to be some uh, R left in the air.
2: Because I, I can tell you, this is something that I've had an interest in since like the fifth or the sixth grade. I had to do a report on something of historical significance in the early, nine, uh, early 20th century, and I happened to pick the sinking of the Titanic. And uh, in the time I lived in Sandwich, Massachusetts, which is a stone's throw away from Woods Hole, and when I was, you know just being a, a kid i didn't really know you know what's appropriate and what's not appropriate so i picked up the phone i called woods hole <laughs> right, right and i was able to get like two minutes on the phone with bob ballard and it it worked out you know for i mean at least they told me it was bob ballard <laughs> i mean i'm just a fa- i'm just a fifth grade kid doing a report so they could have put anybody on the phone but you know it, the fact that it drew so much attention back then you know when they first discovered the wreckage and then with the film coming out, you know, that obviously blew it wide open again. And now it seems like it's, it's something that people once again have kind of, for being a night to remember, it's something that people tend to forget. And as we're coming up on, you know, 2012, which will be the anniversary. Wow, that's that's weird. 2012. Hmm.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> but uh, as we're as we're coming up on the anniversary of it, I think it's going to start to explode and people are going to be paying attention to it again. What exactly do you hope to accomplish in terms of the Titanic legacy by going out there and, and do, conducting this investigation?
0: Well, you know, the more the more interest we can generate in the Titanic means that those people, those poor people, will have remembrance. Now, of course, there's no chance that people will ever forget the Titanic. But we uh, can't just turn our back on and hope that they won't. You know, we want to do our part.
2: All right. Well, we thank you for joining us tonight here on Spooky South Coast and and talking with us about this. Hopefully, we can talk to you as we get closer to the date. And then, of course, as soon as you get back, we'd love to speak with you and find out what's going on.
0: Uh, well, not only that, uh, if you would like to do an interview while we were water, we'd have to be happy to do that.
2: That would be outstanding. You'll be able to get reception out there. and We're yeah.
0: working on it. We're going to get some satellite time.
2: Beautiful. Uh, Absolutely.
1: We're not that far from the Andrea Dory. You want us to try the same
0: kind of test out there? You know what? That's fascinating. Absolutely.
2: All right. It'll come up sometime Matt. you got a couch. Yeah, yeah.
0: it's not that far. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. yeah will definitely work something out.
0: All right, my friend. Thank you very much.
2: All right. Thank you for joining us. Again, that's Sandman of Society of the Dead, and if you would like to make a contribution uh to their uh cause to to get out there and investigate the the Titanic's uh, essentially the grave site of the Titanic. Right. Uh and $32,000 is the projected cost of what it'll what it'll take to get out there. You can make a donation by contacting them. Just go to myspace.com uh, slash cannonball underscore kelly k-e-l-l-y and you can also email him directly sandman underscore the underscore ghost underscore hunter at yahoo.com and if you need those again just email me tim at com and i'll forward that information on to you i'm sure anything you can donate will help any and it, it's not just helping a paranormal group Get out there and do an investigation. It's helping to remember the victims of the Titanic tragedy, to remember what happened, and, and hopefully uh, to make sure that other tragedies such as this can be recognized for what they were. Uh, it, it, we talked about it. It kind of sounds on the surface as being you know disrespectful, the idea of, oh, we're going to go out and, and try to capture the voice of the ghost of the Titanic, but they're doing it right. They're first of all, they're doing it right from a technical standpoint, a safety standpoint, and just a scientific standpoint, but they're doing it right in terms of the respect that they have. And so we have all the respect in the world for them for that. And we wish them the best of luck on that journey. Well, we're coming up on the news break. But when we come back on the other side, we'll have the week in weird. We're going to be on till about 925. And then the Red Sox are going to take over. They've got a primetime game out there in Seattle. And uh, I think it's the last West Coast trip of the year for the Sox, so it'll be our last primetime edition of Spooky South Coast for the year. But uh, we'll be back after the news. We'll talk about whatever is going on that's weird in the world. We'll also take your calls as well, 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500. Right back here on Spooky South Coast.
1: Spooky South Coast is back. Actually, in reality, I am Charles Bronson. Here's more of Spooky South Coast. Low belly, this ain't over. I can smell
0: your I'm not afraid. You.
2: Like... Welcome back. Uh, I'd say hour number two of Spooky South Coast, but we've only got about 15 minutes left in the program. And then Red Sox baseball is coming your way. The Boston Red Sox do battle with the Seattle Mariners out on the left coast, or I guess, can we call Seattle? The left? Yeah, it's it's far up there, but it is the left coast. And, you know the the good thing about this is we know for a fact it's their last trip out west, so you know we know we're not going to have to juggle the schedule around too much. Uh, we will be coming to you after many Red Sox games in upcoming weeks, uh, mainly because uh, with the the new way the station works, we're going to be running the post game after the Sox, and then we have to wait until the post game is over before we can come on. So if you're listening to the Red Sox on a Saturday night and it's time for Spooky South Coast, just be sure that we're going to be coming on after the post game, and if for any reason we're not going to stick around and go on the air if it goes into extra innings or things run late. Uh, we'll send out an update on our Twitter feed. Uh, that's uh, twitter.com slash spookySC. And we'll also you know, post stuff up on the website. We'll do whatever we can to make sure we get the word out there to people that there won't be a show as fast as we can. Uh, because we are going to be coming up against a lot of 7 o'clock games. However, the station has told us that they are going to try to work on a system that will allow us to stream over the Internet uh, while the – Games are going on, so if you go to the SpookySouthCoast.com uh, audio feed or the WBSM audio feed, you'll get it that way. But, of course, now with Spooky South Coast TV, we could always just go on the air that way, too, if we had to. Plug the board into the laptop, and we'd be good to go. So just another option. We'll make sure that you get your Spooky fix, folks, we promise. And uh, if you want to get a hold of us during the course of the week, SpookyCrew at spooky south that's the way to get in touch with us. Uh, Matt, did you happen to follow up on Dr. Cherry's prediction from last week about there being an earthquake on the 14th or the 15th of this month?
3: Um, I did. There wasn't exactly an earthquake um, that he, on the magnitude that he was talking about, mm-hmm. um, but this morning there was a 2.6. Uh, what do you call it? Richter scale. Yeah, Richter scale. Um, the Wendy in, Richter scale. In uh, Virginia. So. And and was what morning.
2: was what was his prediction?
3: Um, he said it was going to be a massive earthquake or some sort of hurricane disaster or something.
2: Okay, and Matt, uh, you know, something being, significant. being a little bit more scientifically grounded than we, 2.6 is kind of just a tremor, right?
1: Well, around here, we'd definitely get everybody's attention. L.A., they'd barely spill they'd their coffee. Shake
2: it, they'd shake it off. Yeah. No pun intended. No, actually, pun intended. All right, well, I mean, Dr. Cherry, uh, is has certainly been dead on with a number of his predictions, so, uh, you know, he he's allowed a, a flub once in a while, but, you know, we'll, we'll do a little bit digger-deep. If you've heard of anything that we might have missed, just email it to us, Crew, at spookyselfcoast.com. All right, well, with that being said, I think it's time to get a little weird in here.
0: More bad news. Well, I got a great show for you today with some wonderful weird stuff.
1: I feel, I feel so very
0: weird.
2: <laughs> the weak and Weird. All right. Well, Matt Costa, I know what a fan you are of uh, Britcoms and, and British know. TV. I am. And I remember, like, when we first got uh, Comcast Cable, which uh, we both sensed them. But when we both got Comcast Cable, we were fascinated by the fact they had BBC America. Yep. Blackadder every afternoon. Absolutely fabulous. You know, great, great <laughs> programming. Basically, by having BBC America, it allows you to see the shows that American TV is just going to be ripping off and adapting a few months later. Oh, yeah. But uh, apparently there's a long-running soap opera on on uh, British television called Coronation Street. And it's it's been around forever. And uh, this comes from digitalspy.com. Coronation Street stars are living in fear following alleged sightings of a ghost on the show's set, it has been claimed. Several cast members have been spooked by the presence of a female apparition with long brown hair and a dark jacket. Uh, This report was originally published in The Sun. The mystery has coincided with a period of bad luck for the Soaps team. Earlier this month, director Kay Parker was uh, injured on set after a car collided with her. Meanwhile, some stars have suffered personal tragedies, and Simon Gregson... It says Steve McDonald and Betty Driver, Betty Williams, I don't know if like which one's the actor name, which one's the character name, have uh, both been forced to take off time due to illness. An insider explained, terrible things have happened, and then there's this sighting of the ghost. It sounds silly, but everyone who's seen it has given the same description of her. The cast and crew no longer joke about the ghostly rumors. The quote continues, they are being treated deadly seriously. It just seems to be one thing after another, so much so that a lot of us are convinced... There's more to it than just bad luck. It has been a curse. Sue Cleaver, who plays Eileen Grinshaw on the show, confirmed the rumors, commenting, So many people have seen and felt the strange things that there has to be something to it. So, we've talked in the past, uh, we've done episodes of the show about these movie curses around, uh, you know, the, the Exorcist, The Omen, Poltergeist, uh, right up on through to, to Batman, uh, to, uh, to The Dark Knight. And, yeah, can there be a curse a spirit haunting a tv show sure uh is this kind of the perfect mix of uh the britain the the britain's interest in the paranormal as well as coronation street Eh, eh, eh. sounds like it could be something that might be trying to drive up some ratings sooner or later you're going to have that ghost in the window like in three men and a baby like in the back of (laughs) that ghost looks an awful lot like ted danson in a top hat with a cane (laughs) no that's a teenage boy who shot himself on the set in the apartment where the, I'm sorry, in the apartment where the movie was filmed. Except it was filmed on a soundstage. Yeah. And there was no teenage boy. And it was a cardboard cutout of Ted Danson. Do you have a cardboard cutout of Ted Danson in your house? Um. You should get one.
3: Yeah.
2: That would be awesome. All right, what do you have for us, Matt All right. It's kind of a, uh. You're more of a Gutenberg guy anyway.
3: I am. I, I, I love the goot.
2: <laughs> you have a bad case of the goot. I just can't. Right. <laughs> All right.
3: You can't say his name without smiling.
1: Gutenberg!
3: Gutenberg.
2: And he published <laughs> the first Bible. Okay, good.
3: <laughs> Alright, speaking of Gutenberg, this has nothing to do with Steve Gutenberg.
2: Everything has everything to do with <laughs> Steve Gutenberg.
3: A plumber in the UK reeled in agony as his stomach ruptured and the embryonic remains of his twin spilled out. Oh. Uh, I hate when I, that you, happens. I, I like to start a story off with a bang.
1: Does that technically make him the first guy to give birth? Uh, possibly. I don't know. I think Just, that, that other
2: You never saw that documentary, Junior? No. That was a documentary. With the guy that looked like oh. Arnold Schwarzenegger that had a
3: baby? Oh. Okay. Sorry. Right. The uh lumpy mass forced its way out of forced its way out after lying inside Gavin Hyatt's abdomen since he since he was born thirty years ago. The Gavin hide Hyatt? Hyatt. Hyatt. it? Hyatt. Hyatt. Hide it. Hyatt. Hide it? Hyatt.
2: <laughs> okay, go ahead. Sorry.
3: <laughs> the painful lump pushed through Gavin's skin in a scene echoing the mo- the horror movie Alien. Or science fiction movie Alien. Gavin staggered into his local hospital, bleeding from his belly button. Medics said the growth was a parasitic twin. Gavin's identical brother, who died in the wom- womb early in the mother's pregnancy. The 4 centimeter fetus then became embedded in Gavin's tissue and stayed in his stomach for the next 30 years. There was just a handful of cases worldwide, with a majority reported in Asia. Former firefighter Gavin of Whitney, Oxfordshire, said four hospital doctors had previously examined him and were all puzzled by the lump. Some thought it was a cyst, others thought it was an ingrown hair. Then one, then one said it could be an un, undeveloped, identical twin that, uh, that I absorbed at a very early age. I feel abso- absolutely fine now, but it has not sunk in yet that I could have had a twin brother. I have him in a jar at home, and I call him Little Gav. <laughs> I haven't told many people. I feel a bit of a freak.
2: What I want to know is what did he have for lunch that day?
3: This is special.
2: Check,
1: Check please. please. <laughs> yes. I-,
3: I was thinking uh, the first time when I first uh, read that story, I was thinking of uh, quarto.
2: Any of you has got a smint? (laughs) Any of you has got a smint? Speaking of smints, I have no idea why, Matt Moniz, (laughs) I said smints and segued over to you, but what do you have for us?
1: I have something about the uh, swine flu. The World Health Organization is investigating a claim by an Australian researcher that the swine flu virus circling the globe may have been created as a result of human error. Adrian Gibbs, 75, who collaborated on research that led to the development of the roach holding A.G.'s Tamiflu drug, said that in an interview that he intends to publish, a report suggesting the new strain may have accidentally evolved in eggs scientists use to grow viruses and drug makers use to grow for vaccines. Gibbs said he came to this conclusion as part of an effort to trace the virus's origin and by, analy- by analyzing its genetic blueprint. The World Health Organization received the study last week, and as is reviewing it. And I gotta be really careful with this guy's name, Kenji Fukada. That's weird. That I, sounds <laughs> good to me. <laughs>
2: that's, that's where I'm going. Nobody out there can read it, so if you say it, they're gonna think it's right.
1: Kenji Bucotta, the agency's assistant director general of health and security and environment, said in an interview uh, May 11th for Mr. Gibbs, who had studied the germ evolution for four decades and is one of the first scientists to analyze the genetic makeup of the virus that was identified three weeks ago in Mexico and threatens to touch off the first flu pandemic since 1968. A virus that resulted from lab experimentation or vaccine production may indicate a greater need for security, Fukada said, by pointing the source of the virus scientists also may better understand the microbes' potential for spreading and causing illness.
2: I think the whole uh, swine flu pandemic is a little Fukada myself. (laughs) But I saw a story today that actually refuted... Uh, you know, some scientist was claiming that – I'm sorry, the World Health Organization was claiming that it was not created in the lab. But I, I, I think it was. I think it's a direct result of that classic Muppet Show sketch, pigs in <laughs> labs. <laughs> no? Okay. I just wanted to do the Muppet Show. Okay. <laughs> All
0: right.
2: Well, there you go. That is the weekend Weird for this week. If you ever want to send us a story that you want us to read on the air, just go to SpookySouthCoast.com. Click on the forum tab at the top of the page. That will bring you to our forum and find the Week in Weird thread, and you can put the story in there I put a link to it. And if we use it on the air, you will get a Spooky South Coast bumper sticker. Matt, has everybody that wanted one gotten one in the mail?
3: Um, I believe so. I signed a couple out the other day.
2: Okay. So, so uh, we, we've still got a few left, so let us know if you want one or, or earn yourself one by sending us a Week in Weird story. All right. Do we have any breaks to take this hour, or are we on good to headlines? go?
3: Hmm? On headlines?
2: Okay, yeah. So let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll play the Haunted Headlines and say goodbye. Works for me. This is what we call on the fly. We'll be right back with more here on Spooky South Coast. All right. Well, we are actually up against the clock, so we apologize to all the Haunted headline fans. We'll get it added on to the end of the podcast. Yeah, if you'd like to receive a copy of it, just email me, and I'll forward it on to you, you'll be able to listen to it that way. Uh, also, you know, you can always go to the news page at ghostvillage.com, and you can read all about the stories that Chris is following there. Again, congratulations to the Balzano family on their new edition last week, and uh, they announced you know, the world premiere of the latest Bolzano right here on Spooky South Coast. So he usually announces when he has a new book, and he also announces when he has a new child, so... We hope that uh, Ella Jane and the whole family are doing very well and uh, our best wishes out to them. And that'll pretty much do it for this week's show. For Matt Costa, for Matt Moniz, I'm Tim Weisberg. We want you all to stay spooktacular.
0: Rest assured, listener, that
1: my time here has not been easy and what you have just heard was not fiction. Although... In many a desperate moment I most certainly wish it had been. It's over for now, it seems. Or at least until yesterday begins again. Tomorrow, 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 tomorrow. tomorrow,
0: tomorrow. I know the supernaturalists.